we know this is round two, but hey, Rufus, if you're listening, we would love to get a hold of you, my guy. Yeah, I mean, we we had to make this terrible song no. just to have like something in its placeholder, but it's it's literally. It's and just that I, 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 I crave, I, I wish that it was underwater. This is just, hey, not to diminish any of Joe Patton's work here, but Rufus, this is the placeholder till you respond to our DM here. Underwater, we need it. Let's get it. Do it. I want to just pick up this conversation. This is part two. You know, we've had a long night out here. We're, it's a great Tuesday night. Talking tennis out here. I want to just revisit what we were just talking about on part one. The breakout players of the year in 2021. You mentioned a few of our favorites. We're, we're, me and you are always talking about kind of the guys that have impressed us and the um, who's kind of hitting hitting these tournaments. I mean, it's it's the non-majors that have captivated my attention over the last few years. Is like that's where these careers are made. I mean, especially in the era of that we're in with the big three, plus guys like Wawrinka and Murray who've who've stolen a few. It's these guys are making careers off everything else. It's the thou. It's the Masters one thousands. It's the five. It's the ATP five hundreds and the two fifties, and it's just so much fun to watch the, the new faces kind of come in and make a career playing the game of tennis. And a couple of guys that I mean are probably more well known just because of their ranking. I mean, you got Cam Nori, who jumps from number seventy in the world to number sixteen in the world, and that jump right there from a pretty damn good player who's pretty much qualified by ranking qualifies for every big time tournament to being a, a a top 20 player and in the live race he's top 10 I mean that's a significant jump and it's it's a lot of the small things it's a lot of the it's it, most of it's some of it's physical just putting your body through the work to to be ready for each week week in and week out um being ready to battle two three hours a day and Cam Nori has taken that next level as a as a college former college player. Uh, it's just great to see that he's found the work ethic and kind of the routines that work for him to put his body through uh, a season that's going to get him close to fifty wins on the year, which which is more wins. I think he only has 50, I think he only had fifty wins his entire career heading into this year. Seriously. And at, yeah, and at, and at, at twenty six years old, this this calendar year, he's going to probably. Uh, at least equal what he did for his entire career, and he's 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 made four million dollars on the court this year. So I mean, so happy to see the hard work pay off. I mean, hard work always pays off, no matter what you're doing in life. And uh, for Cam Nori and his, co- his his team, that's that's a tremendous story. Um, and then Karatsev, I know you, we we've talked about him on a number of our podcasts, but to go from one twelve to twenty two, that is unbelievable. I mean, he talked about the Labor Cup being around Team Russia, how it inspired him. Being around Hachinov, Medvedev, Rublev, and just that super talented um, young group of young core group of Russian tennis players, uh, how it kind of impacted his career, and he's always kind of had the goods, but it was whether he was going to be able to sustain it mentally. And I actually had a teammate from uh, Bellarmine when I was there uh, back. This is back in the day. We graduated 2016, 2017. So um, just to hear these guys that have trained with him in Israel. Uh, and just kind of, he always kind of had the goods, but to, for him to kind of get it together mentally at age 27 is uh, it's something you don't see very often, um, especially uh, these, these late bloomers. You, you, you see it in kind of other sports, but tennis, it's, it's, it's a lot harder because um, you can burn out in this sport very quickly. And if you don't get it, it's, it's really easy to kind of fold and kind of shut it down. So I think Karatsev, Nori, 
other guys that, that were just tremendous all year. You had Rude, who made a less, I mean, 18 spots. He started at 27, going on to 9. That's still a significant jump. Anytime you're jumping inside the top 10, uh, you're doing something right. I mean, he he won five titles this year. Uh, he was just every week I felt like Casper Rude was pushing. I think he won four of his titles on clay, and then he won the San Diego Open. So Casper Rude, I mean, incredible year. And then Hercotch, that's your boy, using the V-Core Pro. Uh, he goes from 34 to 10. And that's just, Hercotch is, he's going to be around for, for a number of years. Just so many weapons. He's, his defense, his 135-mile-an-hour serve, the forehand, his ability to just, he stays on the baseline and the depth of his ball and the plow through he gets. And uh, it's just, Hercotch is, he's not the most, to me, he's a little. He just doesn't have like the, 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 the spice that I kind of like to watch out of these players that are, uh, that dr- kind of draw me into a match. But I can appreciate a guy like Hurtgosh. You know, he's a low key guy. He's a super nice guy. I got to meet him in Cincinnati. He seemed to just. He just loves tennis. Just hanging out, chilling. Uh, just a normal everyday dude. And uh, my buddy Bartek, Bartek, who is now an intern at Tennis Point with us, who's playing at Fairmont State, is from Poland as well. And just cool to see that connection, you know, with another Polish guy who's uh, out here in the United States and these big cities, and he's just trying to make a living doing what he loves. And uh, I thought that was awesome. And I think Hercotch is a very relatable guy, and he's just an incredible year. Um, anybody else you had to add to that breakout 2021 player? I know I, we had a Brooks being there. and I was going to throw in, like, when you when you throw in the, the, the breakout year, like the people that I just – wasn't like keeping track of i would throw in like brooksby mm-hmm. i would throw in seb corda yep um yep. and like americans but yeah absolutely i i'm just to I'm, an I'm extent blown tommy away. paul tommy paul coming in just like and then today too just like playing at the top of the line uh Winning yep, tennis because yep. like For winning sure. tennis is different. It like, is getting into that like mindset to actually put some actual putting a pro away. It is <laughs> mind blowing, uh, dude. You're you're spot on. I mean, to do what these guys are doing, uh, Tommy Paul, he's literally six feet tall. It's not like he's got crazy weapons, but you just you just have to mentally be there every week, week in and week out. The practice. I mean, there's really in this sport, there's not that many days off. It's a different type of grind. These guys aren't guaranteed. They're not on guaranteed contracts. No, they're not. We just talked about like how to like stay alive on tour. Yeah, like basically, like the first round win is a thirty thousand dollar payoff, but it takes fifteen thousand dollars to just go to this place mm-hmm. with your coach mm-hmm. and everybody. So, mm-hmm. no. if you don't win, you've lost fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Like that's just like you can kind of like just see that like all these guys. That are just like just if you get into that round where you're gonna go to Dubai or you're gonna go to one of these places, it's gonna cost you and your team almost twenty thousand dollars to stay alive, and your first round win is thirty thousand dollars. So you're gonna get paid out maybe half of your next tournament. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting enough. You got to nope. get two. You got to beat two other people that are trying to do it too, and that's. It's mind blowing how much pressure that has to be. Yep, and this is and this is what this all goes back to like why the challenger circuit is so important and like they we have to find a way is if we're while we're trying to grow this sport that we all love 
we got to find a way to get these guys paid. I mean, if you're inside the top 200, top 150, you should be able to make a comfortable living playing this game. Uh, is, you know, the travel they have to endure. Most of these, most of these athletes in in our in in all across sports, you're staying within a three to four hour time time zone lapse. I mean, these guys are literally traveling from California to Shanghai to London to Paris to I mean I mean they're going all over the the, the entire globe to play this game. They're jet lagged, hitting the practice courts. The next day they have a match, they lose. They got to go. It's just week after but week. Doesn't that make you like feel like that? Like it, it, it has this like component to it. It's like it's a growing sport though, because mm-hmm. like I think back as like, I mean, there's other sports that have this like, that hasn't quite hit that like giant payout yet. Like mm-hmm. you have this like you're building it. So I feel like tennis is like right in that like stage of they haven't hit that moment where they're like, you're just going to play a tournament every single weekend mm-hmm. in the United States. Like golf has like until June. And if you make every cut, you're going to be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Like in tennis, you're going to fly around the world. And if you don't make it out of the first round, you're going to lose money. Yep. Like that's a huge difference. No, it is. It's just an enormous amount of pressure. And I think, I, I hope tennis kind of finds a way to adjust its um, structures so that I, I don't want to see these guys get burnt out. I think the grind is, is does some wear and tear, especially when in these years of no no fans. Uh, we've got we're going over a year now where we've had tournaments that just have had capacity limits um, and restrictions based on if you're vaccinated and age limits and all that stuff. And you know these these guys need that atmosphere. They need the fans. And they, they need, need title fights. They do. They need title, and they need it to feel like a title fight. They need to have a couple title fights that are just un, like just not through a tournament. Like why? Yep. Why can't we have like like someone promote Zverev versus Rublev, or like why can't we just have someone do that and like they both get paid giant dollars? Yep. No, and they've done that. The last time I remember doing that was in Mexico. I forget the city what it was in. Zverev played in Feder in the largest tennis stadium that was ever, or biggest audience of a tennis match of all time, I believe. You, I, I could be wrong. I'll double check this when we get off the air. But um, it was actually. I'll look it up. Yeah, I, I believe it was like 20, maybe 30,000 people were in attendance. You'll, you, I'm sure you'll get on that. But it's it was just incredible. I think that's the type of thing that tennis can benefit from. Um, but yeah, these these guys are. I mean, they're they're gladiators. What they go through on a weekly basis, it's highly commendable. And I hope that they're having fun doing this because we're having a ton of fun watching them play. They're putting on a show week in and week out. I feel like tennis is a nonstop sport. Uh, what did you find? 42,000 people. So I even underestimated it. 42,000 people got to watch Vera versus Federer in Mexico. Um, so there's oh, definitely... Oh, God. That's so that, 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 gets, that gets me kind of geeked out, gets me the chills a little bit because... There is an audience out there that enjoys these athletes as much as we do, and just will kind of. What is that? Where's that? What was that? What city was Mexico that? City? Mexico like, City. That, that's like that's amazing that you found that because like I felt like, like we were talking about it weirdly in this like kind of like abstract context where we were just talking about tennis and like how there's one winner and you know fifty seven losers or one hundred and thirty oh. losers, but like why is that? like uninteresting to people why don't they just you know throw in you know, i love the tournament because as a tennis player you have to fight through all these matches but then as like 
someone that wants to just get these guys paid, you just throw in some undercard matches where they're just like hyped up. Yep. People would watch that and they would get paid better. I just like, or maybe not. I don't know. No, for sure. I think part of that goes in with the prom- promotion of these events. Um, I, I hope it's, it seems like I've talked to a guy that has some connection with ATP who seems to see- think that they're going to loosen up on some of these restrictions as far as um, the ability to cover these events with uh, content that is like that. Yeah. I mean, tennis TV and tennis channel and ATP have been pretty protective over their rights. Um, you know, with, cause they're signing these huge, co- these huge TV contracts and they want to make sure they're getting the value that they kind of put up front for these deals. Understandable, understandable. But I think it, the closer we come to be kind of taking an NBA approach on this, you know, as, as you kind of grow the niche and cold audience through um, specific coverage from uh, these fan accounts that have a big influence on these, like, you got to reach the people, and people are not going to tune in for three hours for a match, but if you sh- give them some drama and give them some backstory and kind of hype up the match like they do on these UFC fights, th- this stuff, it, it can I mean, really- if anything, you could just look at the the raw data. Is that Like, the number one biggest tennis match of all time was Serena Williams versus... Clem Gisters and like Kim Clysters. Kim Clysters. Clem yeah, yeah. Gisters. <laughs> like like that was the number one that was the number one right. viewed live tennis match. What 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 was the number on that? Just curious now that you have it. On the Serena Williams one? Yeah. Thirty five thousand. Wait. And so like Zverev and, and Federer. That was the most watched it was the biggest attendance of live the attendance. Biggest, uh, biggest live attendance, thirty five thousand. But like then, that. well, the lar- like Zverev and Federer beat it. Right, they, they hit uh-huh. forty two thousand. Yep, and now that stadium has since been pretty much abandoned. I've, last time I looked up on Twitter, I saw somebody post a picture of it. I'm not sure they've used that venue since. And Arthur Ashe only holds like eight thousand or nine thousand, right? Or ten thousand. Arthur Ashe? No, that's like twenty four. Is it twenty four? Yeah. It's What's like half? Arthur, yeah, it's like half. Arthur Ashe is the biggest tennis stadium. That's big. That's fully committed to tennis in the world. Um, as as far as I it's huge. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a massive. huge, huge. Arthur Ashe is insane. It's like an, a massive NBA arena, and it's one of the most. I still have not been, so I guess I can't speak to it too highly. But uh, from everything I've seen and heard. I, I need to get there, and I, I will be there hopefully this upcoming year. But they just threw in a couple matches a right. year, like just like just a couple hype matches, like no, they I, should honestly, especially just to like just to see where you could get it. Yep, the Labor Cup. I I hope the Labor Cup keeps tinkering with what they're doing because I think they're onto something. I do too. I don't know if Team World versus Team Europe is the way to go about this. Uh, if, as we've seen, Team Europe take, it seems too golfy. Yeah. It does. It, it seems uh, it, too Ryder yep. Cup. Yep. It is what I meant. Like, mm-hmm. it it just feels like you don't have to do the same thing. Right. With, and, like, I'm no, not saying I, that we have to do everything that UFC is doing either. Like, we don't mm-hmm. have to, like, promote it like boxing matches. But, like, take, like, your best undercard guy and, like, let's say, okay, I'm Nori's great. Okay, let's see what he does against Roger Federer. Because Roger he, Federer He is lost not, to Federer in Wimbledon 2021, yeah. actually, which was wild. But let's I mean, say now, like, now like, you're seeing what Cam Norrie can do, right? And you just watched Federer, who everybody thought Federer was pretty much washed and done. Yeah, Federer just beat Cam Norrie in Wimbledon this past year. But that's on, what I mean on, on like, a bad on a bad leg. Let's say let's like right. That's what I mean is like let's let's throw in like let's throw in like one of these big name guys, yep. but don't uh-huh. make him play through 
seven rounds. Exactly. And like, let's no, see what they can sure. do. Like Andy Murray. Versus you put a guy through six, seven matches in a major. It's a different dead. player. It's a different player. I mean, they got metal hips. Exactly. <laughs> And metal not, ankles. No, and you, you're not going to get Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic's, but these guys for one or two matches in a row, they they have the goods, especially if you put them in a best of three. But you go best of five, and you do it for six or seven matches in a row, it's the wear and tear does on your body to play three hours. It's yeah, it's like running. I, I'm a not marathon. sure. I'm not sure athletes outside of I've run a marathon and playing a five set match uh-huh. is like the same. It's equivalent, right? I There's mean, no difference. The, no, you're, but you're hallucinating. You're like hallucinating. Yep. And like you're just kind of just like I don't remember the fifth set. No, like, I don't remember the last four miles of the marathon. It's the same thing. No, and shout out to sp- speaking of that, Andy Murray, longest best of three match of the year, three Did hours and forty five minutes in the best of three. So you guys can only imagine the best of five is it's another level. Yeah. But um, ne- next thing I want to talk about. The frozen rankings. It feels like we've been on going on f- five years now with frozen rankings. Feder is still in the top twenty, even though we've only seen him play. It feels like a handful of matches. We all know that's not true. <laughs> I mean, but it, he, yeah, I mean, Holger Rune. I'm, I'm, I'm happy the kid spoke up. Holger Rune, eighteen year old from Denmark, he spoke up. I mean, he's worked his tail off. He feels and he knows he should be in the top hundred. I mean, he says. I mean, he even kind of go, goes out and even calls out like, if the ra- if the if the rankings were not frozen, I would be the 64th best player in the world. But because the rankings have been frozen for so long, and they've rewarded players from 2019, I'm 124. So he's not going to get into the draws that he should be getting into. He's not going to get seated properly. He's going to have to keep going through qualifiers, and the grind continues for a guy like that who's put the work in and had the results to get into these places with his real adjusted ranking that should be kind of taken in, into consideration. But, you know, tennis has been very slow on this whole thing coming around uh, is updating their rankings and kind of um, changing the regulations on this. And, you know, now you have Holger Rune, who's 18 year old and he's one of the future, future bright spots of the tour. And it's, it's playing on his mind. I mean, he's burning out his he, knees. Exactly. I mean, he feels like in his mind, he's put the work in to be a top hundred player, which is a big goal of his, uh, ahead of the year, and he's still sitting outside the top 100 pretty, I mean, 124. I mean, it's just like, it's a big bummer for these guys, and a, a guy like Holger has worked his tail off. He's, I mean, you guys need to follow so, him on social media. He's, so what are the differences, sorry. you should, you're, No, it was, it was like, what are the differences of, like, being a 124 versus, one, for like, 64? You get it, you, 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 you don't have to play through the qualifier round. Right, you enter a Master 1000s event, you, you're going to have to go through qualifying unless, and you're, like Unless Brooks you get a wild B, card. Brooks right. B just fought through the qualifier, and now he plays Opelka. Exactly. But he's played three matches just to get to Opelka. I mean, even if you're at ni- 95 in the world, you're still going through qualifying. So, I mean, at 120, when you're in the top 70, now you're getting into some main draws. I mean, almost every main draw, unless it's like a you know an Indian Wells. Or what does that do to your body, though? So you get Going through, through the, qualifying, get, is, 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 it's its own tournament in, in itself. I mean, right. getting through qualifying is literally your you're playing guys that are fighting for their livelihood to make tennis their their career, and you're doing it just to get into the main draw to have a chance to beat one of these guys that, yeah, to, to get to where you want to so go. How, how, how many matches can you play before your body starts to, like, you limit the, like, exponential outcome? Like, you can play nine matches, and then mm-hmm. your body starts to stop? I, Emma Raducanu just did that at the U.S. Open. She went 
I believe, ten, All, yeah. 10 matches in a row. If I'm not mistaken, she won 20 sets in a row. Didn't drop a set through qualifying and the main draw. And she just lost in the first round of Indian Wells. So, I mean, I maybe that's the closest in the, um, kind of comparison we have to this. Yeah. Is the way, I mean, yeah, she won the U.S. Open, and there's a bunch of pressure that comes from that. But, I mean, it takes your body, even at 18 years old, 19 years old, a lot of time to recover from two or three weeks of tennis where you're playing a match every other day that's going to go two hours plus. It's just it's, – it's a different type of workout. You're even as hard as you practice, it's just different. And I, I don't know if – Yeah, um, no, I've I, never done it myself, so I can't even act like I've, I, can, I, I can relate to these players. But uh, just watching the grind that these guys go through and the daily the, – the rallies that these guys are putting themselves through, just it's, it's a different level of, of uh, fitness. Yeah, I've never done it either. I just know that, like, I, when I play, I'm, I'm down for a day. So, like, I don't know how they do – I don't know how they do like play at that level and continue to play at that level when other people haven't and you're playing mm-hmm. against people that haven't played the day before and you have. Uh-huh. So it's like, yeah, you might get you're you're like primed to like nail some shots, but they're not sore. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But to me, like that just feels like a huge advantage. Uh-huh. So Brooksby, yeah, he got through a Pelka today, but he's 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 dead tomorrow. <laughs> no, and. Brooksby's a fighter, though. He's going to leave it all out there, just like he did at the U.S. Open when he wasn't all the way right. I mean, he was never even, it looked like he was never close to retiring. He even, like, refused to take a medical timeout when everybody felt like he should have taken some timeout in the middle of his matches in the U.S. Open. So, um, Brooksby, huge fan. Gritty. Another college tennis player, gritty. Another college tennis player coming up with some big results. Um, Another thing I want to touch on, maybe it's the last thing we touch on before we wrap this whole thing up. It's been an awesome night, but. The broken rackets thing. Uh, Nick Curios did a Q&A last night on Instagram. Uh, he kind of asked he, – he's, he's really good at this stuff. I mean, his, his social media is awesome. He's great at talking to his fans. As much as people kind of give him a hard time for how he carries himself on the tennis court, his, if you're a fan of Nick Curios, I mean, he – I am. You're right, and I am too. I mean, he, he's great for the game, if, if you ask me. I know uh, people can say whatever they want about he's, how he's kind of tank matches and lack of training and stuff, but – his transparency and kind of him explaining how he feels about all, these, all the, the grind of a tennis player is very relatable. But he went on his Instagram story and said that somebody asked him, how many rackets have you broken in your career? And he just said 300. <laughs> it brought me back to a quote from Rafa Nadal, uh, who's, it's a known, like it's always been a known stat of his. After 1,200 plus matches, the guy has yet to break a racket. I mean. He's just class act, though. He, like, right, he's just—he's like, the ultimate gentleman on the court. I mean, that—that uh-huh. that, like what, how you strive to be. Curious is like, like how I feel like all the time, and I kind of want to be, although I never do any of the stuff he does. But like Nadal is just like, that's how you're supposed to be. Yes, I, yep. But it, it's still though, like twelve hundred plus matches, that probably puts you at over ten thousand to fifteen thousand practices. You're telling me you've never had a 25, 30 minute segment where, like, you, I mean, that's just incredible. I mean, he, that he, not one time he came he, apart he, in the, like, in the French pers- Open with, like, the French Open, yep. his tournament yep. with Djokovic, his rival, yep. and he, he was class act. No, and I think that's. Sometimes you get beat. Yep. Yep. And I, I think mean, that's just, it says a lot I, about I, his I read character. a thing with him saying, 
today because like honestly like my dad loves Nadal and you love Nadal and I just I was never an Nadal fan. I'm a I'm a totally a Nadal fan now because I read to him today talking about how his he just felt that he he's coming back from the injury, the foot injury, whatever it is, because he loves tennis. And yep. it wasn't any like dumb uh cliche thing of like being an athlete and getting back to his prime. He's just coming back cuz he just likes the sport. It's so like, man, that's the way we should It's refreshing. It's the way I mean, we should all be. And he's always such a good sport. I mean, he's like just a gentleman. Yeah. So today's quote he came out with was uh after being talked about, his people are are constantly asking these guys about their age and when retirements and they're when and they're going to retire exactly, which is which is a bummer because you can get so much out of these guys. Let them announce that stuff on their own time. Continue to ask them about their tennis, their training, their travels. They're doing so many cool things in their career. Don't try to cut this stuff short. I mean, there's yeah. no reason to. These guys are they're the greatest that tennis has ever seen. They've had so many unique experiences, stuff that we would love to learn about and. Don't yeah, I I can't stand when media tries to push the narrative of when these guys will retire to try to yeah, predict those type of things. Make it a story that's like right. that we all care about. We don't. It's we like, do, I yeah. don't. I don't Fans want him do to not retire. Care. We we really. I want I, him to stay in this. Exactly. Sport. Exactly. I mean, it, when his time is up, he will let he will let us know. We'll see the results. We'll reflect that. But the guy is still top ten. As we're talking about Rafa now. Still top five. Like he's I think he's fourth or fifth in the in the world. Let the guy making get, slam finals. Exactly. Let he's the guy multiple, exactly like in a row like tournaments. Like let him just play. It, yep, I couldn't agree more. It bothers the hell out of me when these it guys in the media try to try to kind of get a feel for when when they're going to be kind of rounding things this whole career out. And uh, I thought Rafa's quote today was great. He says, "I try not to think about my age. I will retire if I don't feel fresh physically and mentally enough. I'm also realizing how much I love tennis." And I have a real privilege to be able to play for so long. That's just that's just so good. Like that is like that's what I mean. Like I, I you have always loved Nadal. He's your favorite athlete, and like you've you just you you just like told me that since like we've been friends. Uh-huh. And to me, like knowing that about him has made me a fan so i'm uh-huh. i'm 100 percent like behind him I, I root for him over anybody no and rafa is one of the greatest ambassadors and of athletics in general he's one of the greatest competitors i've ever seen in all sports i think his spirit of his mentality spirit. mind over matter yeah. anything is possible for this guy i just i love it i'll give you guys one little nugget to take away Santa's point has a big uh kind of activation happening during the Rolex Paris Masters coming up here in November. And there is a guy who's a lefty playing with the pure arrow. He may or may not be making an appearance. Whoa, I'm pretty geeked about it. I'm going to try to make, make my way over to Europe with the team. But you know, when I heard that news to have Rafa associated with our tennis point team, I would love nothing more to kind of get behind that and to promote that and, kind of showcase what he's done for tennis and uh, that, that relationship because the guy is next to none. I heard he's going to be taking a little, a little PJ from Mallorca to Tennis Point to kind of tell his story to, the, to these young fans, this next generation, and uh, we, we would be incredibly thankful to hear that. So, I hope so it's just not a rumor. I hope it's real truth, but I have some pretty good sources on the matter, and Rafa, he's, he's my goat. He's the greatest. He is. He is. I love Federer and Novak are great, but 
I've been a Rafa guy. I used the, I've been using the Pereira ever since I've I've grown up watching him and top Benny to love him too. <laughs> I got I got my little Benny uh eight seven year old Benny to to be behind the get on the wagon. Now we just got to get him off the Wilson family into the Bablat family cuz yeah, we'll welcome no, with he, open he's, arms. He's he's not doing the Wilsons. He's already told me that. <laughs> so like he, I told him when he turns 10, he can have his like cuz like he it needs to go past his like Yep. Like in between his knee and his like hip. And We're so gonna like be doing he, some more. He's getting it. He's gonna get the Babelay that he's already said it a million times. He's getting. He wants the like, the new Babelay that Rafa's you. That's awesome. That the, he he likes he likes the pink purple Babelay that Rafa's you. got. No, that's my guy. I'm I'm telling you guys. You guys will be hearing more about Benny Patton. He's the real deal. He's a natural born talent. I think he started playing tennis when he was six. Six, maybe, maybe, yeah, six. Five, he he six, just six. just turned seven. Yeah, five and a half. Just turned seven. The the future is bright. A, he beat a twelve year old this weekend. He beat a twelve year old. Keep in mind, Benny is about uh, fifty five pounds dripping wet, at about three eleven on a good day. So Benny Patton, remember the name. I'm sure we'll be talking about him someday on here, qualifying for these tournaments. I would love nothing more. But, guys, appreciate you guys tuning in again. This is the Pure Tennis Podcast, sponsored by Tennis Point. Joe. Check us out. Yep. We're going to keep doing It's a thing now. It's, we're we're going to be on here. We'll have some guests here coming for you guys shortly. But, you know what? As we always say, Rufus Assault. Yeah, I'm open. Check the DM. Check the DM. Appreciate you having me again, and we'll be out here soon, guys. Have a good week. Go Team Yellow.